Hello my friends, I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Christopher Allen at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And we are talking about the call of God and this is uh, lesson number 13 and uh, in this subject. And yesterday we began to talk about how to know your calling. And we talked about how you begin, you know, where you begin and then you begin to find out your calling. So, um, we are, I'm going to continue with that. And the first thing I want to tell you is that, you know, as I said yesterday, look for opportunities to serve. And no matter how insignificant the task may seem to be, just serve and let God use you there. Now, so what I want to continue with, with is this. You begin to serve, but when you serve, serve with the attitude that if this is the biggest thing I will ever do, in, in God's work, in, you know, the rest of my life, this is what I will do faithfully. So I remember when I, I started um, uh, cleaning floors and uh, I'd never cleaned floors before. That was the first task they gave me. And I, I said to myself, okay, here I am cleaning floors. But if this is the biggest thing I will do in my life in God's kingdom, I will do it the rest of my life and I will do it happily. You know, you, you serve happily, you do it happily, you find joy in, in doing whatever is put in your hand to do. Now, second thing is that do not serve to use the place where, where you are serving as a stepping stone to greater things because it's not like in the world that, you know, you don't, you don't get a job uh, thinking that, oh, a year from now, I will get promoted, I'll get a raise. You don't work for promotions. You serve for the sake of serving. So when you, when you, for example, if you get an opportunity to serve in a church or in a ministry, uh, don't go in there thinking, okay, I'm going to do this and a year from now, I'm going to do this and a year from now, a year from now, five years down the road, I'm going to be a pastor. No, do not serve in a church or a ministry using them with the intent of using them as a stepping stone to do what you think in your eyes are greater things. But look to serve because that is where God has put you. All right. This is a very, very important attitude that we must have. Do not serve with this attitude that I'm going to use this place where I'm serving now as a, as a stepping stone to do something uh, bigger. I had a guy on my team in Africa and he was trying to do that. And he said, oh, I'm destined for great things. Listen, serve, okay? Don't, don't come with your big talk about I'm destined for great things and I'm just here for a while so I can, you know, I can be promoted. Do not serve. Listen. Nobody wants anybody working in their ministry who uses them as a stepping stone to get to somewhere else. So serve for the sake of the fact that God has put you there. Now, the next thing, do not serve for position, recognition or reward. Serve because God has called you. Like So I did, uh, I did. Um, clean floors and toilets. Then I did, I did dishes. And I mean, I cooked, cooked food for the team. I polished people's shoes. I did all kinds of things. But 
you don't do that seeking a position or recognition or reward, but you do it because that is where God has put you. Amen. I'm not saying God is not going to promote you. Yes, he will promote you. But your attitude should be, even if nobody ever recognizes me, nobody promotes me. And this is the only task that I will be entrusted with. I will do it faithfully. I remember when I was working as a janitor, I said, oh my goodness, if I work as a janitor the rest of my life, one thing, I will be the best janitor they've ever had. This is what people will say about me, that I was the best janitor they ever had. So you serve not for recognition or reward, but you serve because God has called you. Now, then the next thing, I'm talking about serving in the kingdom of God. Submit to mentorship and leadership that helps you to grow and develop. Submit to mentorship and leadership that helps you to grow and develop, you know. So, uh, but don't let people use you. I mean, I know one very, very famous minister and, 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 and he, 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 he has internships and, and he can use somebody uh, as, as a housemate and, and basically tell them, oh, you're doing internship, you're serving the ministry, but they're actually serving the man's family. They're, they're being used as cheap slave labor. So, uh, I mean, um, listen, you should serve the man of God, okay? Volunteer to go and, you know, your pastor and the man of God Volunteer, say, Pastor, can I come and wash your car or can I mow your lawn and can I do this? Can I do that? It's good to serve, but don't let them take advantage of you. Uh, service, serving should be voluntarily. Uh, serving should be voluntary and it should not be imposed upon you by leaders because the moment it is not voluntary and is being imposed upon you, that is when people begin to use you as free slave labor. That's what I call it. So, but the thing is that you keep your heart right and you submit to mentorship and leadership that helps you to grow and develop spiritually. So you're serving, you're in the church, you're cleaning the floors or doing all this, but at the same time, make sure that you submit yourself to your mentors and to your leaders. And if they are not mentors, say, listen, I want you to speak into my life. I want to serve here, but I want you to speak into my life so I can grow and develop. Because through all this, it's not just about you serving, but your personal development and growth in your Christian walk and in your faith, in your understanding of the things of God, those are very, very important and they cannot be overlooked. So. Uh, when you serve, look for leadership and mentorship, uh, leaders and mentors who speak into your life so that you actually grow. And that's one area where I have always been blessed. Even as a young Christian, I was, I always looked for people who could mentor me, who could speak into my life. And whatever I am, it is because of the influence of those men and women of God who God used to speak into my life. Everything, I mean, in my life, it's a, a, to a large extent because of the men uh, and the women who God used to speak into my life. So, so submit yourself to mentorship and leadership and look for them. They won't just pop out of the sky and come to help you, but you have to look for them. And I always look 
I am still, I'm 66 years old. I'm still looking for older men and women of God who I can be around and learn from. Be a lifelong student on always learn from others and look for people who can teach you. Okay. And then the next thing is grow in your calling by following, watching, learning from those above you. Now, uh, when I say above you, some people don't like that because the thing in the kingdom of God, we are all equal. No, we are not equal. We are equal as children of God. Like I have three kids and I love them equally. Emmanuel is the older one, then gone Victoria Gabriel. I love them all equally. So although they're, you know, they're varying ages, as far as love is concerned, I love them equally. They are equal. But, but in the kingdom of God, people do stand in different offices. And even people standing in the same office, there are different levels of calling and anointing. And we have to recognize that, right? So there are people who stand in a higher calling than us, who's, oh Lord, let me put that way, not a higher calling, but a higher level of calling, who stand in a higher level of anointing than us. And there's nothing wrong in acknowledging that. So don't, you know, don't look at your pastor and say, oh, you know, I know him and, and he, uh, I, I, I know his parents and uh, I know his family and what makes him special. I know the Bible as much as he does. And then you go there on Sunday and you're critiquing his sermons and you're never learning anything. And that's not it. So grow in your calling by watching, following and learning from those who are above you. So the first thing you have to do, you have to recognize that there are certain people who God has called and they stand in a higher level of anointing and calling than you do. And then you say, okay, this person stands in a higher level of calling and anointing than I am. I'm going to learn from him. So you watch them, you follow them and learn from them. And that's one thing I've always done. I, I know there are men out there, women out there who stand in a higher level of calling and anointing than I, and I watch them. I still watch them. I learn from them. I don't follow their methods, but I follow their faith. I follow their faith. I learn from them. I watch from them. And when I'm with them, I ask them questions. And that's how I grow. And that's how you will grow. Praise God. So do that. And then lastly, uh, be accountable. Learn to take correction and make changes. Be account Accountability means to learn to be able to accept corrections. Many people are not very good at accepting correction. And if you don't, are not good at accepting correction, you will never learn. You will never grow. Correction means when somebody says, you know, you did this thing wrong, you do it this way instead. You just humble yourself. You said, fine, thank you very much. And, and you do it the way he said, you know, so you uh, be humble and accept correction and be teachable. And so uh, be accountable, learn to take correction and be teachable and learn to make changes. Because if you learn to make changes, that's really a sign that you are not set in your ways, but you are growing. Only somebody who is growing in his life will uh, be able to make corrections. So do those things. Okay. Now, if you look at uh, the st story of David, and I've written this down, it says, David killed the lion and the bear before he could kill Goliath. The lion and the bear were not as large a problem as Goliath was. The bear would only kill one sheep at a time, haul it off, 
to a cave and enjoy his feast. The lion pretty much the same. The lion and the bear represent problems that well at worst is only affecting one tiny area of Israel. Goliath, on the other hand, threatened their very existence. So before you deal with the Goliath, you have to uh, deal with the lion and the bear. So there's a progression and that is how you learn and you grow. Okay, now I'm going to start. I'm going to talk about supportive ministries, supportive ministries. Now, supportive ministries, uh, you know, in the body of Christ, there's two kinds of ministries. One is the fivefold ministry gifts and the other are the supportive ministries. Some people call them helps ministries, but I prefer to use the word supportive ministries. And these are those who are not in the fivefold ministry gifts, but, but you know, the other ministries in the church, and they're all very important. Some are on the platform like worship leaders, worshipers. These are supportive ministries that are more visible. And some of them are people who are not visible at all, like the tech people, like my son who sits in the soundboard and does the sound or the people, the ladies serving in the cafeteria uh, or, or the people cleaning the floors. You know, these are all supportive ministries. Some are visible, some are not visible. Supportive ministries, these are very important and have to be taken seriously as no church or ministry can supporting, so can, uh, can function without them. Supportive ministries are very important because no church or ministry can actually function without supportive ministry. They are needed. So right now I'm looking for somebody to serve on my staff because if I can't find that person uh, on my team here in the US in Lancaster, uh, everything slows down or comes to a standstill. So we need that person. So um, uh, supportive ministry is very, very important. Now, remember, I want to put a disclaimer there. Uh, there is no gift of leadership. In the Bible, there is no gift of leadership, but only servanthood, only servanthood. And let, let me just say this. I personally dislike it when people like to sit on boards and be in leadership position in churches, but do not like to waste their time in actually serving people. So as I said, you know, you, you got this multimillionaire, big giver to the church, and uh, uh, and he doesn't like to serve. You'll never see him or his wife cleaning the floors or serving in the cafeteria, but they want to sit on the boards. They want to sit on the leadership. They want to play golf with the pastor, providing he plays golf, of course, and they want to hobnob with those who are higher up and they would never dirty their hands by serving. Listen, if I was a pastor, I would not have such people in my leadership because they feel like they are called to leadership, but they are not called to be servants. Such people are useless. They are no good. People, if God would use you as a leader, he first will use you as a servant. So keep this in mind, okay? And pastors, you also be very, very careful. Don't let anybody buy his way into your leadership because some people are good at that. You know, their offerings and their tithes are big. So they think that automatically gives them the right to be in a decision-making position. No, it doesn't. What gives a person the right to be in a decision-making um, uh, position is two things. Firstly, firstly, servanthood. And secondly, service. 
If a person has a servant spirit and he serves people, that gives him the right to be in a leadership position. So always remember that. Now, let us go to the story of Stephen. Okay, Stephen, the first martyr of the church, he was not an apostle or a prophet or pastor or teacher or evangelist. He was in supportive ministry. Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was in a supportive ministry. In Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 15, we can read his story. He says, in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So what was happening is that the, the church used to feed the widows and the orphans. And so in the early church, he says the uh, you know, there was a thing about the Greek widows and the, and the, and the Hebrew widows. Um, apparently, there was a bias towards the Hebrew widows because all the apostles, they, you know, they themselves were Hebrews and the Grecians were the Gentiles and they were not used to having Gentiles around in the church. So I think what happened was that some of the Greek widows were being, uh, were being neglected. So they complained. And so this is what the disciples said. And then the 12 called the apostles. They called the multitude of the disciples unto them. And this is what they said. <clears throat> it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So what was happening? It was the apostles who were serving the tables. And they said, listen, if this is, is this not working, that we leave the, the ministration of the word of God and we serve tables because God has called us to, to preach the word of God. And so uh, then he says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So this is what they said to the people. They said, look, let's find seven men. Okay, seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And uh, now this is very interesting because the seven men full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business, they were looking for men, not to be apostles, but they were looking for seven men who would be helping in uh, serving tables and feeding widows and orphans. That's what they were looking for. So it says, let's look, but, the, but look at the criteria. The high standard they put for people to serve food to widows. They said, we want seven men of honest report, men of integrity. Secondly, full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom. Can you imagine that? That's how high they set the bar. They look for people with these three qualities to serve tables. So he says, so that we can continue to give ourselves to the prayer, to prayer and to the ministry of the word, because the apostles should be in prayer and preaching the word says, so let us focus on this, but let us find seven men of integrity, seven men full of the Holy Ghost, seven men full of wisdom that we may point over this business. In fact, these were the first deacons. A deacon is actually a servant who waits on tables. That's what it, that's what the word deacon means, one who serves tables. So they look for seven men full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom and men of integrity to take care of 
serving food to widows. And then it says, verse 5, then the saying pleased the whole multitude and it chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. So here are the names of the seven people and the first of them was Stephen, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. So what they did was that they brought out these seven men of integrity, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, brought them before the apostles. The people themselves chose these men and brought them before the apostles and the apostles prayed for them and laid hands on them. And then look at the result. It says, and the word of the Lord increased. The word of God increased. Why? Because the apostles stopped doing this and they focused on the word and on prayer. So as the apostles focused on the word and on, and on prayer, the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. So what happened? All these people were getting saved, including a large number of Jewish priests were also coming to the Lord. Then it says, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now this is, this is amazing. Stephen was one of those men chosen to wait tables, but he was so full of faith and power that he did wonders, great wonders and miracles among the people. Now he was not one of the apostles. So don't ever think that God only uses the fivefold ministry gifts to do miracles and to heal the sick. No, God uses people serving in supportive ministries also to do miracles and to heal the sick, providing they meet these three categories, that they're men and women of integrity. Secondly, they're men and women full of faith and men and women full of the Holy Ghost. So if you are a person of integrity and you are full of the Holy Ghost and you are full of wisdom, if you have these three qualities, you don't have to be a fivefold ministry gift, but God can use you to do, it says, great miracles and healings. God will use you. You know, you know I started first started praying for the sick when I was working as a janitor because I was full of the Holy Ghost and I was giving myself to the word. So as a janitor, the first play, you know, uh, I remember as I was working in a school as a janitor to support myself. And um, I mean, these, these people were people who came from, uh, I don't know, from diverse backgrounds. They didn't have much education and they were, they were really crude people. And uh, so they, when they found out I was a Christian, they used to make fun of me. They used to laugh at me. When we had our coffee breaks, they used to sit and watch pornography and just terrible. And they used to egg me on, you know, to watch, uh, not, it was not TV, it was magazines, watch, see those magazines with them. And I was not interested. So they made fun of me. But what I did was, um, I remember one uh, a lady who was my boss, she got sick and I prayed for her and God healed her. The next thing you know, she asked me to pray for her daughter and her daughter was healed. So after that word got around that I was a man of God, I was a servant of God. 
and then people begin to come to me for advice people begin to come to me for for healing and so soon everything changed they began to respect me and you know they began to call me pastor uh, although I was not a pastor that's what they call me they call me priest or a pastor and and and, and suddenly I had their respect why because I had the Holy Ghost, I had the wisdom of God, and I walked with integrity. I was still a janitor, and I was walking, I, wherever I went, people were healed. And that is how God opened the door for me to come into full-time ministry, when people saw that although I was a lowly janitor cleaning toilets and floors, <coughs> God had his hand upon me and was using me. So Stephen, he was a a man full of faith and the Holy Ghost and he and God was using him to do great miracles among the people. And he says, and there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines and Cyrenians and Alexandrians and out of them of Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. So some of the people in the in the synagogue, they began to dispute with Stephen and they couldn't. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And so then they got this mob together and they set up false witnesses. And then, uh, then they decided going to, they're going to kill him. And in Acts chapter 7, verses 54 to 60, he says, you know, uh, actually in verse 15, it says, and Stephen spoke as he spoke over to them, the spirit of the Lord was upon him. And he says, uh, they and all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. His face shone like the face of an angel. And then says verse 54 to 60. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the teeth and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Can you imagine this man is a deacon. He's serving tables. He is a supportive ministry. He's not an apostle. He looks steadfastly at heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him and witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. That was Saul of Tarsus, Paul who became Paul. And then they stoned Stephen calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, let not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So, you know, Interesting. I read a book by a man called F.B. Myers talking about Paul. And he says, he said that Paul, he was there when Stephen died. He was, he was a young man and he was gathering. They took their coats off and left them with Paul, then known as Saul, as the stone Stephen. And he said, Saul saw, this is F.B. Myers' book. He said, Saul saw the way that Stephen died. And that touched him hard. He said, Stephen was the seed from which arose Paul. He says, because if you see the ministry of the apostle Paul, when he stood before King Agrippa, when he stood in other places where he had to 
speak out and defend the gospel. He constructed his defense of the gospel, his speech, very much like Stephen had spoken. So Stephen, the way Stephen died, the first martyr of the church, had left an indelible impression upon this young man called Saul, who became Paul, the greatest apostle the church has ever had, the man who wrote more than half the New Testament. And Stephen, the first martyr of the church, was a supportive ministry. And um, so if you are called to a supportive ministry, uh, you know, whether it be cleaning floors or making coffee or serving in any other way, serving in the office, remember, if you're a person of integrity, and you are a man or woman of the word, and you're full of the Holy Ghost and full of wisdom, God can use you to do great miracles in the lives of other people. God can use you as much as he can use anybody else. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hand upon their lives. Use them mightily, Father, for your glory. Father, let them bear much fruit. Be exalted, be glorified through our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'll be seeing you again tomorrow. God bless you.